everybody's all recovered from the holiday, huh? Amen. Nobody's hungover. Oh, sorry, that's a different crowd. That's for my AA meeting. Sorry, yes, no. <laughs> Even the AA people shouldn't be hungover, but you never know. So, praise God. But uh, I like having a Holy Ghost hangover. Amen. When you do things in the Lord and do things by the Spirit of God, you can see how all good things that God gives, the devil makes a counterfeit of. So, uh, you know, there is such thing as being drunk in the Spirit uh, lost in the spirit and different dimensions of the spirit of God, uh, which we are believing to experience those things when we have our conference um, in uh, February. So um, something new has been added, and I want to thank everybody so much for uh, people who gave to make sure our, our venue was paid in advance uh, because God added to that, so now our billboards would be paid for um, God's opened the door for us to have some billboard advertising around the city of Detroit. I think it's about four different locations off the uh, interstates. And uh, also um, uh, the uh, gentleman who's doing the ads for us is going to add in some extra ones. So we'll have uh, those digital billboards with the blaring lights. You you know how I always tell y'all I need to be announced. Y'all never did it, so I'm getting on. (laughs) Huh? <laughs> you know, I used to get mad at you people come in there, uh, most honorable. Uh, I said, how come y'all don't do me like that? <laughs> most, most bishop, most, uh, well, whatever, whatever. But anyway, I said, I never get announced to announce myself, but that's okay. But we want to get as many people into the meetings as we can. Um, I, I've decided that Saturday would be an all-day healing and miracle service day. Amen. So we're going to have two healing services. So uh, so I'll do both of them. I'll do the morning one starts at noon, and the evening one is at 7.30, like I always, our meetings are always at 7.30 in the evening. So we'll just have all-day healing and miracles on Saturday. So that's why I thought the extra advertising would be very, very timely, uh, because we want to get as many people in there as need to get in there for their miracles. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if you are. I want you to sow your seed, everybody, amen, everybody is invited to go, um, and and uh, most of us are required because we have jobs, but if you don't have a job, don't let that stop you because we get you one, <laughs> amen, <laughs> thank you, thank you, see, my goodness, had the baby speaking of volunteers, so. Yeah, so all the adults ought to be jealous by now, but, but, uh, amen. But that's coming up, uh, in February and we're looking forward to it. We always look forward to our, our, uh, our conferences because that gives us an opportunity to relax in the word. It gives me an opportunity to not have to, uh, preach so much. I mean, you know, well, whatever, uh, you know, I, I can sit and listen to somebody. And then if I don't like them, I give them the hook and <laughs> mess with <them a> job. <laughs> you're going to do me a favor, sweetheart. You're going to put that down. In fact, you're going to get at the baba, so you won't be tempted. Give me that little. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
Amen. Because I don't want to see it again because it's very distracting. All that pink hair, blue hair, and I know it's okay. But you will get her back, okay? I promise not to kick her like, no. <laughs> I used to do that to Bridget, take all her stuffed animals and hold them hostage. <laughs> so that's for my stuff. So anyway, but praise God. All right, let's get started. Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for favor and blessing and honor and everything that comes to your people through our covenant with you. So we bless you, Lord, and we thank you and we honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. So um, I'm going to talk today about uh, faith makes the temporal temporary. In order for the temporal to be temporary, you must add faith in there. So I'm going to find my scripture. I was looking it up, and then I got distracted a little bit. Praise the Lord. Don't give me the hook. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. better find it i've been doing all of this this little sad thing i have here first john five four and first john five four if you'll turn there and this is a very important scripture because it will keep us from looking to other places for our anything that we need amen It says, for whosoever, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. So you've already overcome the world just by being born again. Amen. And it says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So the one who overcomes is the one who believes. Believes what? Believes in the Son of God. Believes in your transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you've got to believe all the word to be an overcomer. And so God will uh, put us in situations and will challenge us to be overcomers by our faith. Um, you you know how sometimes parents, if your kids are, are nervous about things, they're only nervous about it because it's new to them. And this is something we have to remember about us and our walk with God. We're only afraid to trust God because trusting him is new to us. And oftentimes we have a, what I call a short spiritual memory or short spiritual recall for the fact that you trusted him and he came through for you the last time. You come to a new situation and then you, you know, you, you, uh, um, stagger a little bit. You're, you're halting. You're doubtful. You're not sure. And it's the same God. And you have the same relationship, but somehow you don't really believe that you can transfer that faith that you used the last time over into the new situation. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so we, we kind of tend to, to falter a little bit. Uh, it's like the, the, um, 
people who are in other religions like the Hindus, Buddhists and all those people have many gods for that reason. See, we're plagued with the same mentality of unbelief that they are. See, we have one God and we're satisfied that we have one God, but we don't believe he's the God of all situations. See, every situation, it's like we're being introduced to him new every time something different happens in our lives. So, and, and really part of the reason for that is that we're not as familiar with the word that covers that situation right off the bat. So then you do what we call seek God. You get into your words, you find out did he really say that? Because there's some unbelief that is left in us that needs to be filled in with faith and that faith only comes from the word of God. You can't get the God kind of faith without applying his word to it. And so once you come into contact with that word, you begin to understand, you know what? He did this for me and I believed him the last time and here it is another promise that he's made to me that can cover the situation that I'm in right now. And so our trust of him begins to grow. The situations that we're in that require faith are orchestrated by God. He means for you to be where you are. Now a lot of times we we don't really think like that. You know, it's like... Well, God wouldn't do this to me. He wouldn't set me up. No, but you set yourself up and he knew you were going to get there. So he's made provision for you in that situation. It's just like if you, if your, your kid, somebody steals your kid's coat at school, you know, you've got money saved up, you buy him another coat. You know, it's not like you set him up to lose that coat, but you got provision for it. And so this this is the way God is with us. He's got provision for every situation we have, whether we got in a situation through the devil's devices, our ignorance, our impulsiveness, whatever, our unbelief, trying to run from him, whatever the situation's in is, he has made provision for us to have victory over it. And the victory that overcomes is our faith. So the question that Jesus always put to people is not so much, am I able and am I willing, but can you believe? See, that's always the challenge. It is, can we believe? And see, many times when we first turn our minds toward getting a solution, because it seems challenging, we kind of tend to push it away and not not embrace the challenge of it i mean not go after it with the word like there are some things we think we don't need to pray about well if that list gets real big you you have just estranged yourself from god's provision see what i'm saying well i can take care of that or that ain't that important or i can do that or i can you, you understand what i'm saying you get enough of them i can do's and they'll mess you up because you can't do most of it. And see, the fact that you may not think you need faith for a certain thing does not mean, and you can go get it on your own. Like a classic example is I've, I've been doing this for what? How long we had this ministry? 30 years, something like that? Now, don't nobody go no farther than that. I felt you. Everybody trying to, well, how, let me see now. Don't be counting up on me. <laughs> I'm only copping to 30. Uh, 
And like I saw the lady in the, you know, to go into the drugstore, I got to get my pressure pill still. You know, I'm healed. Amen. But uh <laughs> what's your birthday? You know, like she way back there and I'm way over here. So I said, June 17th. I said, I ain't copping to the year. And she looked at me like, oh, okay, ma'am, I found it. I said, I know you found it. It's all you get. You can give me some other old lady's pills if you want to. <laughs> I found you. I found you. You found me already. Had me all the time. <laughs> but anyway, so, okay, so we've been doing this. So every year I tell, twice a year, I tell everybody what I tell you about the conference. Sow your seed. And the first thing that jumps in somebody's mind is, Oh, I had the money. I know I got the money. See, we always defensive about finances. And y'all ain't got nothing no more than I got. We all down here living by faith. Huh? And what God is trying to do is teach you a principle every time he can of seed time and harvest. And how to keep faith in your heart for everything you do. Not just the things you think, you know, people, we think sometimes we think faith is for broke people. But if you look at all them them high-powered preachers on television, they ain't hardly broken. They use faith all the time. So the devil will mess your head up about the things of God if you let him. Because there's always that carnality playing around in our thought life. What she means, so see, that ain't but, that's chump change to me. Okay, chump change. But faith ain't chump change. And we're not talking about money, necessarily. We're talking about the provision of God. And we're talking about developing your faith. But the minute money comes up, people go, fight you. Don't get in my when the offering time comes everybody goes put that shield of doubt up there you don't want to use your faith last time I prayed about what I'm supposed to give God told me to give way more than I thought I was supposed to give and I just shut it down shut it down devil shut it down when the Bible says you're supposed to give as you purpose in your heart I can't get nothing in your heart no more than you'll let get in there by the word of God. Huh? And see, a lot of times we sit around with just us and the Lord. Oh, God, I I wish I had. Huh? Whenever we talk about giving extra for this and giving, I wish I had it. I wish I had it. Well, God is trying to get get it to you, but he got to use your faith. You got to put a commitment out there. In order to get something from God. Faith is a commitment on your part to believe God for that. And when it comes in to use it the way he told you to use it. What often happens is you sow seed and then God sends you some more to go with it. And you do something else with it. Ow! Don't slap me so hard, Barb. It's only new. Or whatever time. (laughs) 
I usually go get slapped like this till after midnight. Whatever. Wake up, everybody. Stay with me here. (laughs) God is trying to get us to understand faith. And get out of your pride and get out of your nonsense, especially where money's concerned. Because the devil likes to steal it. We need so much of it. There are many things that we think we're waiting to do, and money is the thing that seems to be hindering us in our minds. Amen? Everybody thinks it's money. And the Bible does say money answers all things. But we're talking about getting the provision of God in your hand. Not just money. Well, somebody will get it. Say amen anyway. Amen. Because you'll, you'll get it. Because when you talk about the provision of God, then this puts it over into the supernatural realm. Amen. And mammon is in the natural realm. So the provision of God supersedes, overrides, it's greater than, is unlimited. What you can see is your your supply on this earth is limited to what you can store up or how many jobs you can get or however you think your means of getting the provision is. It's going to be limited. And so what he's trying to get us into is over into his provision, which comes by faith. And then faith can overcome Anything in the temporal realm that's temporary. Faith makes it temporary. Unbelief makes it permanent. See, whatever's troubling you, you know how we tell people, oh, it's going to be all right. You don't know that. So quit telling people that. It can go from bad to worse to worse yet, and people never recover from some things. You got me? But when faith is applied, amen, So your response should be, you know what, the word of God says so and so and we're going to believe God. We're going to pray right now and put our faith in operation so that God can come and eliminate this problem out of your life. You got me? So we overcome with our faith. We overcome. What is up with Shorty up there? Do I have to put her on the front row again? Huh? You going to behave yourself for Baba today? Well, quit kicking your sister with them little boots you got on. I see you. Got her little, uh, what you call, give me one of them boots. Got her little, give me one of them. Yeah, get them off of her. Yeah, I know you want to get them off of her bad, don't you? Take the other one off. She, uh, look at her. <laughs> got her, got her little pink, uh, dillies in her head to go with it. You know, Shorty thinks she looking good. That's why she kicking her sister. yeah take them off of her so she don't mess her sister up so she'd be all right but anyway so god wants us to overcome but in order to overcome you got to confront some things you understand me you can't overcome something and and just say what's going to be okay that's like hiding from it amen you have to confront these things with your faith you have to have relationship with God where you know that he's with you. If you don't know he's with you, find a prayer partner that's strong in God and to go, go along for the ride until you can figure out how it works. 
as that's really the way faith grows. It grows in agreement. It grows congregationally. It grows in uh, 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 um, delegation. Uh, faith, if you if you submit to somebody, uh, that person is that are anointing you. Be, you make yourself available to that. That becomes available to you by faith if you'll receive from them. You understand what I'm saying? And so many times we think we we're not ready to confront something when really we are. If it's popped up in your life, you have every tool that you need to confront and overcome that obstacle with your faith. When the disciples told, uh, asked Jesus to increase their faith, he gave them the parable about the mountain and the mustard seed. And he said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you will say, Amen. So faith grows by saying. Hmm? Your confession is not to impress God that you're in the word. Or it's not to catch up on the days that you haven't been in the word. You know, what I call that machine gun confession. I believe I received it. You know, it's like Wednesday and you remember you ain't said nothing till since Sunday. So then on Wednesday, run around the house with your hands up. And that takes care of your slackness for several days. Huh? So your confession really is for the building up of your faith. Well, it gives you spiritual muscle. So when Jesus said, you'd say to this mountain, and you're looking at the mountain and how big it is, and you're looking at your words and how small, because it is the mustard seed. So compared to the mountain, it's small. But you ask any of these bodybuilders that started out at, on my 600-pound life, and they went, wind up me, uh, winning Mr. and Miss Universe or something like that. Ask them how they started. And they started with this much muscle, that much fat, and a resistance machine. And eventually, the muscle overwhelmed the resistance machine. And they moved on to greater resistance and greater resistance and greater resistance. See? And that should be the way we live. Now, in the world of bodybuilding, it'll destroy them because after a while they reach the maximum of their ability with their strength. But we never do. Huh? We never do. So you can continue to challenge your faith. You can continue to overcome. You can continue to challenge your faith. You can continue. And, and it goes on and on and on. When they said increase our faith, he said, yeah, you, it's got to meet some resistance. Where's your mountain? I'm going to say it again. Your faith has to meet some resistance in order to increase. So where's your mountain? See, the Syrophoenician woman had a mountain to confront. She didn't know if she was entitled to receive anything from the God of the Jewish people because they referred to them as dogs and outsiders. 
So she had a mountain of insecurity, uh, lack of entitlement, fear, shame, not worthy. Sound familiar to anybody? The same mountains confront everybody. So in that sense, she was on an even keel with everybody else. But she felt like she wasn't. <laughs> so, so then you gotta confront that mountain. You gotta say to yourself, you know, why am I so slow in accepting my healing? Or accepting that I'm, I'm, uh, that God has, has provided everything for me. Or accepting that He's gonna give me the desire. Accepting, why am I so slow in accepting these things? And you'll find out that you got a mountain already to confront inside of you. So it's never about what's on the outside. That car that you want and the price tag behind it is not your problem. That's not your mountain. Your mountain happens to be your lack of understanding of the number one, the will of God for you. And number two, the provision of God that's freely given to you. Those are the mountains that we have to confront on a regular. The first thing you got to understand is, is this for me? God, is this for me? And most of us are afraid to ask that question. It's true anyway. Because there's always this little thing in the back of your head that says, he might give me a no answer. Now how do we get beyond he might give me a no answer to get into a yes answer? It comes in the word. It comes in the word there's something you desire go in the bible where that's concerned and start meditating and reading and if you get a witness in your spirit and you get peace about it he's saying yes this is how we receive everything from god you know it's so simple it kind of goes without saying but we forget the the steps that that took us to where we are you understand what i'm saying it's the same steps over and over and over again So don't assume that you already know he wants you to have something. Huh? Especially if you've had it before. No, it's just the same old thing. I just go out and look and see what I want. And then I, you know, believe God for the payments or believe God for this, that, or the other. And then something falls through and the whole deal collapses. You got me? Then we realize that we missed God on the first time around. There were little signs that came up and we thought we were rebuking the devil and we were really rebuking God. You're rebuking the counsel of God. See? And we pushed and pushed and got in into a bad situation anyway. Huh? Or if you're got fear. Now, fear of, fear, just fear, you know, it'll come and sit on your shoulder, cause you to be tense and nervous about everything. And that fear begins to chomp away at your faith and chomp away at your faith and chomp away at your faith. 
one of the things that I think Christians just really don't do sometimes is is check yourself and say, where did I get the idea that I wanted this from? Wow. You got me? Where did this idea originate? Where did this come from? And even better, did God put it there? See, a lot of our desires come from covetousness. We see somebody else with it, and we like it, and we gotta have it. Huh? Well, you gotta be willing to accept everything that comes with it. Maybe the people you jealous of don't sleep so well at night themselves and wish they hadn't gotten into it. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> just... But see, we're, we're talking about two different things here. You're talking about likes and desires and things you covet, and God's talking inheritance. The things that are laid up for you. So you don't know the things that are laid up for you. Amen? You don't know. And so many times God will do things for for reasons totally unrelated to what we think we need to have in our lives. I was listening to a woman that was um, giving her testimony and uh, she had <clears throat> got it moved her a couple of times and she wound up in Washington, D.C. and uh, she didn't have a car. She was doing a Bible. She's a minister and she was doing a Bible study and she needed a way to get there and she needed her own vehicle to do it. And so she was praying about it and, and began to uh, seek God about it. And he showed her a picture of an automobile. And it was a very unusual color. And she said, she when she looked at it, she said, I didn't know what kind of automobile. I don't know from automobiles. You know, it's like she's just never really had a whole lot of interest in knowing different ones. She said, I thought, you know, it's a Toyota. She even said Toyota or something like Couldn't even pronounce it right, you know. And uh, a friend of hers told her, she said, you know, I hear you're doing a Bible study. Do you need transportation? <laughs> so she said, as a matter of fact, I do. And so she said that uh, they told her of a situation. We have some friends who, she said, now, you can only have this automobile Monday through Friday. On Friday, it needs to be returned to the garage of the people that own it. But they are out of town Monday through Friday, and the car just sits there. So they'd rather give it to some saint that needs to use it or something like that. So if you need it, it's yours. She gets the car, and she sees She says it's exactly the same car as the one I saw in the vision. Anybody ever done anything like that? Now, see, this takes trust God. This is what it takes. And this is why we oftentimes don't get our inheritance. Because we don't trust him. See, we always think he has something of lesser quality, lesser. It's it's true anyway. See, we're afraid to put that out there. Because her prayer was, God, I don't know what kind of car I need, but you know, you know everything. And so I trust you. Just bring me the car you know I need to have. Turns out the car was a Mercedes, brand new Mercedes. It was like an off, they made those off like 
cream colors years ago. There was a, uh, a like a beige cream and there was a green cream. And that was a color that she saw. And she said, I didn't know for Mercedes. I just knew, you know, I needed a car and this one was nice. And she drove it and she found out when she got there, all the women drove them. So instead of God letting her look out of place, because some places are that kind of town, folks, they judge you. He wanted her to be received just like all the other women were received there. They didn't have Mercedes. They had Jaguars, Cadillacs, and was all luxury vehicles there. And so he gave her the vehicle that she needed to have. Simple trust, folks. Trust in God will always get you an upgrade and not a put down. I'm going to say it again. Trusting him will always give you an upgrade and not a demotion, not a deficit, not a put down. The devil lies to us constantly about God and he lies to God constantly about us. So we got to know how to stay out of that game of not trusting and give your full on faith and confidence and trust to God so that you can have your inheritance. You can have the things that you desire. Your inner man desires to have the things God ordains for you. He doesn't want somebody else's stuff. So if you ride on with your inner man and let him guide your life. And let him give you understanding of how to work with God and how to trust God and believe God. Then your faith will overcome every single obstacle that the enemy ever puts in front of you. It just will never fail you. But we have to start somewhere believing God. And my thing is this. If you don't have, um, uh, why try and press him for Mercedes faith when you don't have you know, Chevy faith or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have used car faith. Why you gotta, well, God's gonna get me. You know, we can tell you're trying to convince yourself that you're worthwhile. See, God will never partner with you in these worthwhile games. He's not gonna do it. He's not gonna do it. And so what God will do will, will bring you to a, a sober understanding of your, your your relationship with him, where you are in your faith, where he's got you going, what he wants you to do, all of that kind of stuff. He's not going to give you a luxury car if you don't have a garage to put it in. Oh, well, that went over real big. Come on, folks. Property first. Well, don't be crazy. Just, you know, you know what I'm saying. Let's just... Thank God they didn't have vehicles back there. Israel, they had to walk everywhere they went, but he gave them property. That's that's the one thing that's promised to all believers is land. Amen. You need property so you have some place you can't get put out of. Amen. And then if you have children, they need some place they can't get put out of. He wants you to have a permanent possession in the earth. Huh? Well, that just ain't for everybody. Yes, it is. You're just rejecting it. Find out why you don't want it. 
and repent and let God change your desires. See, if we're new creatures, we've got to be new creature. we got to live new creature life. You understand what I'm saying? Everything old is no good anymore. Everything old we've overcome. Everything old we cast away. Everything old we, we don't have to be a part of anymore. He wants everything new. Huh? So you don't bring your old fears, your old desires, your old wants, your old whatever. Friends, boyfriends. You don't bring none of that old stuff with you in the kingdom. It won't fit through the door. Amen. So God wants us to overcome the world with our faith. And everything of this world is temporary because of your faith. You've got to use your faith to overcome it and make everything temporary. Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 8. And talk a little bit about the something, something. Luke chapter 8. See, your faith can overcome everything. Biggest thing you're going to have to contend with is your fear of stepping out in faith. Sometimes you'll get pushed out into faith. Huh? Like, you know, uh, I, I, I know, um, uh, some people teach their children to swim very early. You know, toddlers learn how to swim because that's the best time because they haven't developed the fear, you know, an intense fear of water. They have some concern, but as long as they see mama or somebody trusted down there in the water, reaching out for them they'll take the leap eventually amen and then they'll find out there's nothing to fear you overcome and that's the way we should view our life of faith with god you're going to have to step out there you're going to have to challenge yourself to leave the old and step into the new you have to challenge yourself to believe for greater things for god because Therein is where your inheritance is. That's where your inheritance is. It's not that God doesn't want you. Don't get out of your mind. He doesn't want you to have. He doesn't want you to live the old life. Because every time you use your energy to pull something from the old life into your new life, you pull that life of God away from you. You lose some of your inheritance. Because you're trying to drag along this old dead carcass of your old life around with you it's a heavy load huh it's a very heavy load so god wants you to ditch that get rid of that and allow him to make everything new and that takes trust and many times we don't know him enough to trust him and how do you get to know him by trusting him So the trust factor is always going to have to be addressed, folks. You're going to have to trust him for the things that you desire. So in uh, where are we? Luke chapter 8. And this is a parable about, uh, this is Jesus and his disciples. Luke 8. Start in verse 22. It came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said to them, now this is the word of God. This is like you looking at your Bible and finding a promise from God. 
Jesus said, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Amen. Whenever he made a statement or he made a command or he made a, a promise or he, he enjoined his disciples to commit to something, he meant to get it done. So this is a no-fail promise of God. This is something that's going to happen, and you have Jesus' word on it. And so they launched out, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. He fell asleep. The person that teaches you the word is going to be like this in your life. They're going to be around, and they're going to be missing. Amen. Listen, I got a house to go to. I got carpets to vacuum, a dog to feed, and hopefully let out before she, you know, does her shenanigans. Huh? And so that is when you must trust the Holy Spirit. See, this is how we're trained spiritually. We're trained in an atmosphere where in a corporate atmosphere, it's easy to believe God. It's easier to believe him here than it is once you get home and get your Bible open. So that's why I tell people, don't go to sleep in here. Get you a pencil and write. If you can't write, you get your little, what are them things? You get a string and tie it and pretend like you write. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's faith. You know what I mean? I'm at it, you know. But but stay engaged. Let your your attention be focused on the word and getting as much as you can get. Because then when you leave here, the enemy starts with his nonsense trying to steal it away from you. And so you you absorb as much as you can in the corporate atmosphere. This is how this is how all the great ministers got it. They, all those people you saw at Azusa Street and go off in Africa and start miracle ministries they got it by sitting right there they had no books they had no pencils they had nothing but they had an atmosphere that imparted to them amen so they expected to get something every time they got together and they get god delivered anytime there's expectation god delivers and so but when the service is over then you have to rely on the holy spirit and reflecting on what has been told to you. So that's when you get out your Bible, you, you get out your under, you begin to understand, you begin to reinforce what you've been taught in the corporate atmosphere so that it sticks, so that you carry it away with you. It makes sense to you. God begins to embellish it more in your spirit so that you understand things. And so that's how you grow. That's how you learn. That's how you, you, you get your faith to go in. The disciples, however, were kind of of a, a mixed mindset. Amen. So when Jesus fell asleep, faith went to sleep too. Cause if you were around this guy and everybody in town talked about him all the time and, you know, a Jesus meeting was the place to be and you were like one of his boys you was his entourage you weren't hardly thinking about building your faith you was thinking about the next meeting 
and the chicks that was going to be outside the door how big is the offering going to be when is he going to get this kingdom he talking about I'm going to be on the right hand of you they're totally distracted from building their faith so when he goes to sleep their faith goes to sleep now this was a continual problem with the disciples you see them get rebuked more than you you see them get applauded for what they did seriously and if you can't handle the rebuke of God you're going to be a poor student because we're going to make more mistakes trying to obey God than we are going to hit it most of the time and don't let fear of making a mistake stop you because one day your faith is, faith is going to just raise up and say, let me push her out this. I'm sick of sitting up here doing nothing. Let me push her out of here and make her. So here Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. He has no worries. He's at peace all the time. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, verse 23, and there came a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Hmm. So this is the deal. He's sleeping, and they sit there and watch the storm get worse and worse and worse. So we back to sowing seed for the conference. I didn't catch that. Let me see. Where did that come from? I didn't catch that. Before your storm of money you don't have gets worse and worse and worse, God has made provision for you to get everything you need with your faith. But you've been, you know, too good to use it, I guess. I don't know. I know I got that money. I don't have to put no seed down. Well, you're going to need something else from God that's going to take faith to get. So why don't you just humor the pastor, huh? Just play along with me for, if nothing else. I'm going to get it so Pastor Barbara shut up. She's just always talking about sowing seed and stuff. I'm just throwing that in there. I don't care how you put it in there as long as it gets sown. Huh? Little snooty thing. Huh? But sow the seed. Because you need your inheritance. And I wouldn't be much of a pastor if I didn't press you to do these things. You understand what I'm saying? Because it, it, it and then we gotta go through your sob story when it's a week, when the conference is a week out. You don't have your money, you can't come, you're all moping and whining. Well, did you sow seed? Well, I never got seed you had because you ate it up at Starbucks! Even the faith people tell you not to eat your seed. Huh? And McDonald's. Uh, Well, I don't do Starbucks. You do something. Huh? (laughs) Well, no, I, I didn't think I could put down a seed that small. Listen, when you do it five days a week, it's a pretty big seed, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Now don't tell me living by faith doesn't increase your dignity. 
because you're not embarrassed with lack if you live by faith. I'm going to say it again. Living by faith will keep you from being embarrassed by lack. Now, if I lack something, you never know it because I'm not embarrassed by it. I know mine's coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? God, I know you going to take care of me. Huh? I got sisters, nieces, nephews. Everybody got a house. I, you know what I'm saying? What, whatever, whatever. But you know what I'm saying. You, you have a confidence that God puts in you because your faith is your confidence. You should never doubt your provisions coming. Now you may need some help praying for it. If you pray for it on your own and you can't, you know, the, the, that's what the elders of the church are for. That's what your pastors are for. Not your girlfriend. See, y'all want to bypass me because I'm mean to you. <laughs> I'll make you get it. Where is Chuck? <laughs> yeah. Make you get your healing. <sighs> Why? Because I know you can get it. Why would I feel sorry for you? And I know you got faith in you. I just got to squeeze it out of you. Now, quit whining. Come on up here. Let's let's repent and ask God to straighten you up. Whatever need. You understand what I'm saying? And let's get this. Because it's right there at the at the door for you. It's right at the tip of your fingers. By faith. So why are we going to sit up here and lament what you don't have? You've got it. You've got it already. You have an inheritance in God. I'm just trying to teach you how to collect it without borrowing everything and begging everything. You understand what I'm saying? we got to know these things. Now, I may not be as slick as Ken Copeland and all them other people, but we're just here to get the job done. I ain't trying to be nobody. So anyway, so Jesus goes to sleep. So they wake him up. See, that ain't good to do. Huh? That lets the master know you desperate. You slacking. And Jesus pretty much sleeps with one eye open. He knows what they're up to all the time. You understand what I'm saying? He got the spirit. If nothing else, he felt he'd have got wet already because he's down there in the bottom of a boat and it's filling up with water. Huh? So then they accuse him. Of not caring about them. Don't you care? That we're dying up here? Don't you care? Don't you care, Pastor Barr? I can't go to the conference. Don't you care? My care for you started three months ago when I told you to sow your seed. Now I did what I was required to do. Huh? Well, see, no, I don't want to see. Huh? Let's just repent. People hate that word. Christians hate that word. You know, <laughs> but I didn't do anything. Well, you don't have your money. You either jacked up your finances, you spent it on somebody, or done something with it you weren't supposed to but you don't have it and I know God's provided it for you but see 
I had an extra bill that came. But well, God knew that was coming too. He made provision for it. Oh. So the word is going to be true anyway, folks. I don't care what your situation is. The word is true anyhow. Anyhow. So when they were, they said, (laughs) one translation, either Matthew or Mark says, don't you care that we're, this one says we perish, but the other one says, don't you care. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they stopped. And there was a calm. And he said to them this, where is your faith? Where is it? What'd you do with it? Why'd you put it in your pocket and get scared? Why were you so distracted? Why did you put your faith in the fact that you could do it without sowing the seed? See, where is it? Because your faith is somewhere. It's in your abilities. Huh? For many people. It's in your pride to not want to be like everybody else. I'm not like those people that have to always sow seed to get stuff. I'm rich. Mm-hmm. That's what the devil makes us think, folks. Most people are benefited, Christians I'm talking about, are benefited more by herd mentality than they are exceptionalism. But we don't teach herd anymore. You know what we teach? You've got greatness in you. No, I'm great already. I have the greater one living in me. That's what makes me great. I'm not great because of me. I'm great because of what he did to me and put on the inside of me, which really I'm working on perfecting it and making it better. It's still not good enough because there's more still to come. You understand what I'm talking about? See, we teach greatness to people who don't know how to be a part of a herd. When, when God called Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says, There was not one feeble person among them. You know how that happened? Herd mentality. They just kept up with the herd. All you had to do was get up every morning and go and see what Moses was up to and go visit the priest if you sinned or whatever you did and you walked in divine health. They were wealthy. They, they quote unquote borrowed jewelry from their neighbors. You ever done that? No, they pull a gun, a stick of, uh, 357 up your nose and call 911. But God had a shield of favor surrounding his people that was so unbreakable that all of their neighbors gave them all of their valuables. Huh? Now part of the deal was this. Whenever God had a blessing for the people, it overflowed on the neighbor. So the neighbors knew these people were blessed people. And if this nation is going to be destroyed tonight, my jewelry is not going to do me any good. So I'm going to see if I can tag along 
And God made provision for their neighbors. He said that Passover lamb, don't leave any of it uneaten. Go share it with your neighbors. So a lot of the Egyptians got a free ride across the Red Sea that night because they gave up their jewelry. I think we got an extra ticket. You got some jewelry? I think I can get you on. Huh? And so the herd mentality keeps all of us healthy. Because if you receive the word of healing when it's being taught, and you, you you go to the altar if you got trouble or something sticks on you can't get rid of, you know, just in regular prayer or reading your word or whatever, and and keep up with the herd. But in every herd, there's always somebody that wants to cut themselves loose and be special. Oh, I I I I'm going to so and so seminar. You know, on evangelism. I said, no, you need to go out in the streets when we go out there. And I mean, I know it's cold and stuff, but you can go out on your own and, and witness to people. Huh? I said, well, what's this course costing you? Thousand dollars. You've never given that much to this ministry. Maybe if you would sow where you're being fed, you might learn how to be an evangelist. Just saying. You know, I ain't begging for nobody's nothing now. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus asked them a very, very important question. Where is your faith? You need to be able to account for where your faith is at all times. Because like Jesus, what Jesus is saying here, he said, now when I got in this boat with y'all, there was enough faith in here to do everything that needed to be done to get us over to the other side. Because I said, let's go over to the other side. And you jumped in the boat and came along with me. Amen. Which means that there was enough provision in the word that I spoke over us all to get us to the other side. So we're not going to die in this storm. But just to help y'all out, I'm going to rebuke this thing. But I'm asking you, where's your faith? See, if they had used their faith when it first kicked up, it would have died. But they took fear. And they got so scared, it got worse and worse. Just like most of our life situations. Instead of tackling them when they first pop up, when they're small, we want to try and ignore it. It's going to get better. It'll go away. This is that. Then one day, it's bigger than we are. Well, if you had kept your faith engaged all along the way, it never would have grown to the size. But Jesus said, even if it's the size of a mountain, you can speak to it. huh? And continue to speak to it. Continuing to speak to it means that you believe it's going to move. Speaking to it one time and giving up means you don't have faith engaged. So just keep speaking to it. Your faith will catch on. That's the one thing about the word of God. It will eventually do the job for you if it's held on to. Amen. And you hold on to it by hearing it. You got to hear yourself say it. Huh? Wind stop. Mountain cease. 
remember when they laughed at Pat Robertson in the media when he would rebuke storms off the coast of Virginia Beach down there. Huh? But them storms stopped. Huh? They never reported that. They just report, we hear Pat Robertson's talking to the weather. They even, Christians make fun of other Christians that do that. But I can tell you, your house will be standing if you'll use your faith against the temporal. A storm is only temporal. But in the time they raise up, they can do a whole lot of damage if you don't take authority over them. You don't let them go unchecked. So he says, when he said, where's your faith? And they being afraid. Always scared they're doing something wrong. Always scared there's a penalty for their unbelief. Always scared there's more trouble ahead for them. They started questioning one another. Ooh, 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 Sheree. Ooh, what manner of man is ooh, ooh. He's the same manner you are. He serves the same God. Amen. He just uses his faith. And so when God wants us to do something, wants us, he wants us to confront mountains all the time. See, it's different when it's somebody else's mountain. If you have a friend that, that is sick, you can shout to the top of the house, hey, heal. Ah, don't accept that from the devil. But when you get pain in your body, uh, we got a whole nother different ball game there. Uh, when faith is the same, no matter what it's applied to. Amen. And so God wants us to always keep our faith engaged against the temporal world, against this natural world. Your faith needs to be engaged against something at all times. That's why something like a a um, a seed for a conference. I want to get off of that, but I'm going back because people just, you know, the people have been here forever and still don't do it. But see, they don't realize that that seed for that conference is attached to something else that they need later down the road. See, don't ever slick yourself out of your future blessing by pulling your faith back. What do you care if you use it for that or not? What difference does it make? Always take opportunities. You should be asking God to create opportunities for you to use your faith. That's just how important it is for you. But see, most people are scared of living by faith. Because we can't see anything, can't feel anything, can't taste anything, can't touch nothing. You just have to trust God. But I'm telling you, that is the higher realm to live in. The highest realm to live in is by kingdom authority. And by kingdom rules. Because if you find favor with God, if he looks down and sees that you continually use your faith, even after the world has beaten you up, after the devil stripped you of most of what you had, after you don't own anything anymore, you still using your faith, your favor, his favor is on your life. It will always be there. Because any, he'll come, he'll rescue any of his kids, the obedient and the disobedient. But the obedient one is get favor. Favor shields you from the devil's devices. 
The Bible says he surrounds his beloved with favor as a shield. Favor shields you from, from shyster car salesmen, from slipshod mechanics, from all kinds of, I mean, seriously. There's a lot of stuff that could happen to us that doesn't because that favor repels, it repels evil. See, all, every shield that we have repels evil. Our shield of faith repels evil. Amen? And so favor repels evil for us. We should have no fear about, I'll see people have things that, you know, my car needs so-and-so. What's that noise? It needs so-and-so. Well, get it done. But see, they mad at me. I'm just a messenger. The message came from God. I said, the provision is there. Go get it done. And they'll find out and say, well, it was knocking because it needed a different kind of oil in it or something. Just anything the devil can harass you with, he'll harass you with and make you scared to go find out what it is. You ain't going to take care of it anyway. God's going to take care of it. What do you care if you find out what it is? He wants our faith engaged at all times, folks. You can't live by faith and then live in the natural and live by doubt and live by this and live by that. Huh? He wants your faith engaged. So turn to Matthew chapter 17. We'll go there. You'll see a situation where unbelief got mastery over the situation. And the disciples are here not for us to judge them. I'm not judging them at all. But I identify with a lot of the things that happened to them. Amen. Disciple just means student. It doesn't put them in any lesser or greater light than we are. But they are learning the things of God. And uh, Matthew 17, start in verse 14. When they were come to the multitude, they came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is a lunatic and grievously vexed, and oftentimes he falls into the fire and oftentimes into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. So he immediately rebukes the disciples and the father because he talks about a generation of faithless people and that means everybody who's standing around watching the show. Because many times what would happen in a Jesus meeting was that corporate faith would help the disciples to get. Now they went away and, and, and healed people and cast out devils and came back with a good report. What's wrong now? Huh? What's wrong now? And so Jesus sets about not just healing the young man, but he's got to help his disciples to learn. He's got to correct them. People who don't like correction don't really learn very much. Oh, I don't like taking tests. Well, you ain't going to never like taking tests. But they're good for you because you need to know if you learned something or not. 
well, that went over real big, so whatever. <laughs> I don't care. It, it's you're not on a, a you're not a, a a murder a murder defendant when you take an exam. Trust me, there'll be another one coming. You get a do-over, especially with God. Amen. If you pay attention, you'll get what the master's teaching. That's all he's telling them. So he calls them a perverse generation. It means twisted. Something wrong with y'all. You see, y'all ain't thinking right. Something ain't right here. And so he says, bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And the devil left the boy. And he was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to him, not then, but waited till they got him by himself. That's when you really get it. You know, if you you do something that you know your mother used to whoop you for, and you did it in front of company, and she waited, she gave you that look, and you knew you got it twice. And it was like you said, Mama, please whoop me in front of everybody, please. Huh? You got tortured by waiting. Girl, don't you never show out in front of me, in front of people in front of I will kill you. Huh? And you felt like you were dying too. Huh? So here the disciples, they want to wait until they've got privacy so they don't get rebuked in front of everybody. Prideful. And the disciples said, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Now, when Jesus, when they, when Jesus was around them, they operated in a company. It was the same as the company of prophets, but only a newer version because he was also a master or teacher, uh, I'm not sure if he taught much in the temple because they didn't want him in there. They thought he didn't belong there. But he was, he did teach in the temple because he went and, and ministered there. And so he kind of had that reputation with disciples. But what they would do is they would just go off and live together. And they stayed together all the time because there was a lifestyle that they had to adopt that kept the anointing in their lives. Huh? Let me say it again. There is a lifestyle that you have to adopt that keeps the anointing in your life. But Jesus had separated from them for a little while. He had gone up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Amen? Where he saw Elijah, Moses, and who else was there? Elijah, Moses... No, no, just Elijah and Moses. Okay, and so he had separated them from them for a while. What motivated them to want to cast the devil out of this child? You have to take into effect, take into account, they must have been familiar enough with the anointing when to know when it was on them or not. Know when the Holy Ghost is giving them permission or not. So why are they trying this razzmatazz while Jesus is gone? Huh? 
Why do some of you go off? Huh? Not sure if God told me to do it. Not sure I'm supposed to be laying hands on it. Why? It's human. You're going to want to try it out anyway. But once you find out it ain't working, stop. Huh? See, this keeps people from getting into error. When it doesn't bring results, you need to stop and do what those disciples said. Find out why it didn't work this time. Huh? And then go back and fix it. You got me? This is not a game. It's not a show. It's not a performance. This is kingdom work. This is why many times when people go into church and they, they, it's obvious that they, they have a, a ailment or something, they want to, they want to not go in. Cause of crazy saints that keep running up to them, telling them, God told me to pray for you. No, he didn't. You didn't even know I was coming. And I didn't come for you. See, this will save you some trouble, some grief, some trouble with God, some disappointment. Because there are a lot of people on sidelines that thought they had the goods and ran off half-cocked and didn't let listen to anybody who tried to counsel them, train them, teach them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they don't have the goods and they'll probably never have it because they think they got enough already. So this keeps you from being cuckoo. So Jesus tells them what the problem is. He says, I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, again, you will say to this mountain, go and it'll be removed and nothing shall be impossible to you. In other words, you've got as much as you can get in the condition you're in. He said, but this thing, unbelief, only goes out by prayer and fasting. He wasn't talking about that demon going out of this child by prayer and fasting. He's talking about they devils of unbelief that keep them from having the power to cast it out of them. You know how many people build ministries on certain devils you got to fast before you can cast them out? Tons of them. When the scripture is clear, he's talking about unbelief. Anybody ever just not eaten for a while? And and notice when you start confessing the word and speaking the word, there's more on it. If you haven't, you need to. You understand what I'm saying? Just and when I say fast, I mean the whole show. Shut it all down. No TV, no favorite uh, head banging so-called Christian music and no Christian television. That'll bang your head too. Just you and God. And talk to him and read the word. Talk to him and read the word. Talk to him and see what comes out of it. See? Just see what comes out of it. I remember asking God for, for more, uh, for greater anointing and healing. This is like over 20 years ago. And, and I was asking him and I said, God, I said, I really would like to see more people healed. I said, would you honor me fasting, you know, for, <laughs> whatever <laughs> I'm gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie I didn't have no time to it I just was in it for whatever I was your girl I think it lasted about a half a day but but this is no stop it 
It was of the Lord. Because later on that day, I went to pour some oil. I was measuring oil out of a larger container over into a cup. And I was going to measure out a certain amount. And I poured it out, and it came to that amount, and I looked in the bottle. It was still full. And I poured some more, and it was still full. And God said, eat the hamburger. You understand what I'm saying? It's here. Amen. See, we can ask God for things and do your best to create an atmosphere from the come into your life. But to me, it was like, well, you could eat anyway because he's going to give it. You know what I'm saying? But my heart was toward doing the things that I felt were necessary to get unbelief. I still fast to get rid of unbelief. Believe it or not, you know, to, to, if I want to, you know, really give God every advantage to get things done, I move myself. That's how you move yourself out of the way. You know, you don't have cravings. I, you know, I might want something, but I know how to stop myself. <laughs> I don't exercise the power all the time. But you know what I'm saying. You can, you can do these things by the Spirit of God and allow God to, to use you as a vessel. That's what we're supposed to do. We're vessels for His glory and, and want to be used for His glory. So I'm telling you this unbelief thing is real. If you're having a difficult time allowing something into your life, you know, ask God if he will honor a fast. If he don't respond to you, you just stay in the word. Just do what it, what you need to do to get that thing off of you so that you can have more power in the things of God. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for the anointing that destroys every single yoke. Thank you for the blessing of power in our lives. Power to live right. Power to pray right. Power to pray for you. Power to pray in you and power to live for you. So we thank you, Lord, and power to serve you. We want to be used by you, Lord. So we free ourselves up from every worldly encumbrance and every hindrance. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us with health, prosperity, living, faith, all the things that encourage our life to receive our inheritance. We thank you and we honor you for those, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If somebody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray her with you.